weapons in Norway are now establishing a mission and dawah center to enhance the Norwegian dawah. If you donate to this cause, you will inshallah reap the rewards of thousands of Muslims coming back to Islam and many of those who become du'at and invite to Islam. So click the link and donate now and share the video for extra reward. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. And to all the viewers, welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the three Muslims. Uh, Anho will join us, inshallah, in a few minutes. He's just praying salah right now. But, Sister Flavia, how's it going? I've been good, alhamdulillah. Sorry if you guys can hear the dogs in the background. Those are very loud. No worries, no worries. So, Rami, how's your day going? Alhamdulillah, tamam. So far, so good. It's uh, Jumma, it's Friday, alhamdulillah. So it's, uh, it's a very blessed day. How about yourself? Yeah, bro. Good, alhamdulillah. Been a while since we had a, a revert sister on. So I'm looking very much forward to it. Last time we got a sister on, a revert sister, we got Shadow Band. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't want to talk about that. Yeah. We can talk about that off camera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. crazy. We got Shadow Band for like probably like a good three to four weeks. Yeah. So I'm talking posting <sighs> content consistently. Maybe getting like 500 views per video, it was it was wow. crazy. Wow. Okay, I want to talk about like the the. Listen, listen. I'll tell you. Topics. I'll tell you what. There's nothing you can talk about that would uh -huh. probably get a shadow band from everything we talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's because of where or what religion that sister came from. I'll leave it at that. Oh. Yeah. 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 <gasps> but to all the viewers, please smash that like button. It only takes a second. Helps push the viewers, uh, put the video out to more viewers. Um, and I say we just go right into it. So what is your story with Islam? Okay, so a little bit of background, I guess. Um, I come from a Christian family, for you who don't know. Okay. Um, my family is Christian. They're from Peru. I was born there as well. So, you know, we, we used to go to church. You know, my, my family wasn't that, that Christian. It's more of my grandparents and my extended family who's more catholic and um protestant and stuff so when we came to canada you know i would go to church and i would have um i would have these lessons also from jehovah witnesses because my father you know he was diving into different sects of um of christianity and um i guess i didn't really feel very much like i belonged I guess um, I was never really taught the more deep things about Christianity, like the mm -hmm. Trinity. I wasn't really taught that. Um, I learned that out on my own when I was in high school and I went to a Catholic high school. Right. Um, so we had to take religion every single year because yeah. it's a Catholic high school. <laughs> and, you're from, you're um, from Ottawa, right? Yeah, I'm from Ottawa. Yeah. OK, so me and Rami are near Toronto. And oh, Rami really? went to Catholic school too. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did. It's like my area is super, super white though. So a lot of the people in my high school were just white, even to the point where when it came to Black History Month, they would gather all the black students. There was like probably <laughs> twenty. Twenty. <laughs> yeah, um, probably twenty, and they would like those are their prizes. Like you know, they put those out there. But um, as I was I think it was the the tenth grade. Um, we had to once again do religion, but we had the choice to do either world religions or um, 
what was the other one called? Or just like normal religion for Catholicism. And I decided, you know what, let me do world religions because that sounds way more interesting than just doing Catholicism all over Mm. again. And so as I went into it, of course, we touched on different religions and stuff. But the first ones were the Abrahamic ones. And I did not know that Islam was a part of the Abrahamic religions. Like I knew that Judaism was, but I didn't know anything about Islam, right? Um, My mom always told me, stay away from Arabs. (laughs) Never marry an Arab because they're going to hate you. They're going to abuse you. And I was like, okay, well, I I don't really have to worry about that because there's no Arabs near me. So, Mm -hmm. or at the time. Yeah. So... (laughs) Um, I went into the the religion class not knowing anything. You know, I learned about the five pillars and the basic stuff. And uh, my teacher, who was white, taught me, you know, she was like, it's not about terrorism, you know, guys. It's, you know, it's uh, the Muslims are generally good people. It's just that, like, 1% that ruins it for everybody. Yeah. And it's not even 1%. It's like 0.001%. And um, so I guess on the internet, because I, the internet, you know, um, I when I was researching, I took parts of what I was researching and recommended it to me out of nowhere. I say it's by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People told me it was a coincidence, but I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, they, so Islamic stuff started getting recommended to me, especially debates. Mm. And it got recommended to me so much that I was just like, one day I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to watch one of these videos, even though it's like an hour long. It looks Here we like... go, bro. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. We got we got a Latina and a Latino river, bro. Mashallah. Oh, he's Latino. I didn't hey. even know that. He's from Puerto Rico. Oh. Do you speak ta? Spanish? Como ta? Bien. Usted? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Doing good. Doing good. Alhamdulillah. Let's let's speak English though, because no one else speaks Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, when did when did you revert? Because Anhel reverted about. Two years ago, I did almost three years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. December twenty nineteenth. So yeah. Okay. You can go back ago. to the story. Yeah, with watching all those like debates and stuff. Yeah, I I started watching debates um of Muhammad Hijab, you know, Speaker's Corner and yeah. stuff, and I saw the Christians and the atheists getting absolutely wrecked, and I mm. was like, wow, like Subhanallah. Obviously, I didn't say Subhanallah back then, but mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I was in shock. So, you know what, I just started doing a little bit more of my research. And six months after knowing about Islam, like the true Islam, I, one day, I was on my bed, and I was, I fin- I just had finished watching a debate, I remember. And I had my phone <laughs> right here, and I just told myself, you know what, I, th- like, I believe Islam is the truth. And this was at, like, 3 a.m., mind you. I, and I and something just told me, I was like, okay, I need to take my shahada right now because I don't want to die, Kafir. <laughs> and mm. so um, at 3 a.m., I don't remember what day was. I think it was like December 4th mm. or near the end of the month. I don't know, whichever it was. But around there, um, I just took my shahada and uh, I became Muslim. Yeah, alhamdulillah. 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 That was that was amazing. It was short, like to the point, but it usually starts with a lot of debates for many people that I've seen. You know, they mm-hmm. they stumble across Speaker's Corner, Muhammad Hijab, Hamza Zortis, and it, it's a rabbit hole because you're coming into it not knowing anything about Islam. 
you know, me, myself included, I was born Muslim like Rami. And my prior preconceived notions were, oh, it's either Islam or science. You know, it's either someone that's intelligent or they're a Muslim. So when I see Muslims in the Dawah scene that are obliterating, like you mentioned, you know, these atheist scientists and the points that we had were even stronger. I was like, yo, what is going on? Like, I didn't know you could have, you know, intelligent Muslims like that. SubhanAllah. And then I, you know, it's a rabbit hole. So I went into looking at, you know, the early, you know, golden ages of Islam and science and how Muslims have literally pioneered almost like most major scientific advancements that we have today. You know, it was mind blowing for me. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, I, I guess my story doesn't really end there because when I say I took my Shahada, I took my Shahada not like having like full research into it, right? I just had the belief. And mm. inside of me, which stafarallah, like I still remember like these thoughts coming into my brain and I, I just like get kind of sick to my stomach because I remember like the beginning of my journey. I saw all the Muslims um, talking about, you know, um, Muhammad, peace be upon him. And um, I, as a former Christian, I have no idea why I'm like, I was just kind of, I guess, jealous because like, I was like, but what about Isa al-Islam, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I feel like a lot of reverts that I've talked to have felt the same. But I guess it's kind of like that lingering Christianity that I had. And um, I was just like, but what Like, what about Isa Islam? You know, I, I don't know. And um, even like not uh, talking about that, like I was really misguided at the beginning mm. because of the people who surrounded me at the time. And they were very, very liberal Muslims. Wow. Like, yeah, subhanAllah, like I, the, the stuff I was told was crazy. I was told that I could pray on my period. I was told that I could fast Ramadan without, like, with water. I, what else was I told? I, I was told I could pray in shorts. <laughs> That's okay. what I was told. And so, like, I had this very liberal idea of Islam. And I didn't. I didn't start actually practicing fully, fully until maybe I, I think maybe perhaps a year and a half in. Wow. Really? Yeah. So pretty much like half of your time being Muslim. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So when I took my, I call my official Shahada because it was in a masjid. Um, when I took that one, that's when I, you know, had all these liberal ideas out of my head. But the funny thing is, is that I started, you know, looking outside of the liberal agenda of these, like, Muslims, um, of those Muslims. I started looking out of it because of the fact that they started, I saw, like, these debates between um, liberal Muslims and, like, actual, you know, Muslims. Hmm. And uh, just like that Jubilee video that was posted. That's why yeah. I, I kind of liked it so much. I know I kind of got a lot of backlash from people who are muslim and they were like oh we shouldn't be having this debate like whatever like they're just laymen and like you know the 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 girl isn't she's not even muslim or whatever da, 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 da. but i find it to be like in my opinion beneficial because you know the prophet peace be upon him mentioned i don't know in what hadith but i i know that it's a hadith that 
um, the word of Allah, Islam will never be corrupted. This is the last religion. I mean, this is the one true religion. It's going to be the last, you know, he's the last prophet. So it's never going to be corrupted. So mm. when, when I see videos like that, I'm just like, okay, you know what? Those are ignorant Muslims, but mm -hmm. it's still getting the word out about Islam, right? And that's how I learned the true Islam because of these conversations that they were having. So, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Mm. SubhanAllah. I just want to pause it right now. Um, oh, damn, we got Imad on the chat. He's a gamer too. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to quickly add this super chat. I can't read it, bro, because it's in uh, Spanish. Anhel, do you want to attempt this? Hermana, como latino, yo estoy muy orgulloso de ti, habiendo encontrado el Islam. Que Allah te bendiga y haga tu nuevo fe firme y fuerte. Di Allahumma amin. Amin. Masallah, amin. How about we let the sister translate? Okay, oh, it okay. Went let's away. see how good your Spanish is. Yeah, <laughs> Where did back. it go? Hold on. Okay, let me, let me bring it back right there. Yeah, okay. Um, sister, as a Latino, I'm very, I'm very, um, how do you say orgulloso? Proud. I'm very proud, yeah. I'm very proud that you found Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and make you firm on your faith. Amin. We got one from Harris. Love you. Big up on your river story. I mean, I mean, I was there. The right to mail the blessed channel and reward you. I mean, I mean, so you know, I kind of noticed this, but for most sisters at river, y'all go through like this stage of um, not really like following Islam like a hundred hundred. I think that's just it's the same for every river, but. More so, I'm seeing it with like a lot of sisters, or like mm -hmm. you know, they they don't have the hijab, um, they don't even really pray as much. Um, they they still kind of wear very revealing clothing, but they'll say they're Muslim. If you ask them, like, yeah, yeah, I'm Muslim, and it's like it takes a while before they they have that that pivotal moment, and they actually come to like the the real Islam. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, in my opinion, I guess it's because Muslims have a harder time adapting or like acknowledging that, you know, beauty is not everything in this world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, subhanAllah, like a woman, like a woman who is not Muslim or who's not firm on their faith takes a lot from whether people find her beautiful or not, right? And that I, I guess that's the that's the issue with hijab, and especially maybe it also you know has to do with um, the parents and everything, you know, finding out if mm. you're Muslim by obviously wearing the hijab. Yeah. So I feel like that takes a really big part of it. But for me, at least, when I first started wearing hijab, I would compensate it with wearing a ton of makeup. <laughs> It was so bad. Like, um, I look at my old videos and I've taken some down because um, it just kind of, I've, I, you know, I'm gaining those sins still, right? So I, I just take some of those videos down. Um, I know that some of those videos are beneficial, but the thing is, like, I, I feel weird in my stomach still having this up. So 
um, it's a really big transition, at least for us Muslims, because we're supposed to be, you know, wearing the, the proper hijab. And um, all our life and, and all my life, I valued myself based on my beauty. I was obsessed with my beauty and obsessed with putting on makeup, obsessed with everything like that. And even till this day, I still struggle with it. But I tr that's why like, I love the niqab because it just it makes me more comfortable. It makes me, you know, not want to wear anything. Because obviously, if no one's seeing anything, why why would I even bother putting it on? And it's gonna ruin my niqab from the inside anyway, right? It's gonna put a bunch of uh, makeup on it. So, But yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind me asking, what made you make that shift from like wearing the the hijab and then like the makeup to where now you are in the cup? Honestly, at first. At first, um, it was it was because I got sent some from my friend Zena. <laughs> Shout out to her; she has a very awesome brand and stuff. Um, at first, it was because of that, and you know, I started kind of just practicing wearing it. And I told myself, I was like, you know, if honestly, my actions have consequences, right? And my value as a Muslima, I want it to be the most especially when i'm looking for a partner and i'm not saying that i put it on for you know to find a partner but i'm saying that if i am you know not portraying myself to be the best why would i expect the best right and i mm. want the best for my kids i want the best for my future and ultimately that's my goal right to praise los panadal with my kids with my husband because i find that the most beautiful thing ever And I guess that's kind of somehow what why I kind of transitioned from more of the hijab to the face veil and a shawl, like full niqab. That's mm. really cool. I wanna I wanna rewind it a bit because you know when you look at the Latino community, including a lot of other communities, they're very you know they praise beauty and showing off and that type of stuff. So before coming into Islam, it's not too you know out there to assume that when you looked at islam or not just you maybe you know majority of people in the west they look at it as you know oppressing women right and maybe you know even after a sister accepts islam from her own accord they're like oh you know what she just like internalized misogyny or something so what was your personal journey with how you looked at muslim women before converting and then how is it now how has it changed over the years At first, uh, when I saw hijabis on the street, honestly, I wouldn't really think about it much. I'd just be like, oh, she's she's Muslim, whatever. Um, but it was really my community and the Latino community especially that would tell me, oh, like, she's too covered. She's too extreme. Mm. Like, I don't like if you want to be modest, just like, you know, wear like a skirt like the Jehovah Witnesses do or something like you're 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 doing way too much, basically. And um, that's kind of how I saw Muslims. Honestly, I've never I never in my younger years, I never saw a Nakavi out on the street um, or anything because I live in a predominantly white area. Mm -hmm. And so that was my idea 
of the hijab and niqab and everything. I just, I saw them as, you know, on the really, really, really extreme end of things. And I didn't see shorts and mini skirts as something that was bad, which is, in my opinion, a bad thing. You know, my, my mom, she... My parents would tell me, don't wear too short of things. They would still have that, you know, aspect of modesty. But it kind of was let go when I turned maybe 14, 15. My mom would, like, just let me go out in short shorts and crop tops and whatever. She wouldn't really care um, unless it was, like, too, too outlandish. But even looking back at it now, the, the stuff that I was wearing, like, even shirts and stuff, it was way too tight, way too outlandish even for a woman my age. to the point where it was attracting the wrong type of men. Like when you're wearing those types of clothes, I'm not saying that every man is going to come for, like come for you and be a bad one, but you know, I'm generally speaking, if you're wearing those types of clothes, men will approach you for one thing and one thing only, right? And a lot of sisters get mad at me when I say that, <laughs> but I feel it's, it's the truth. No, it is. The liberal mindset is I should be able to wear whatever I want, but it's the man's problem, you know? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, like, your value is based on a lot of your appearance, especially as a woman, right? And if you're wearing those types of th stuff, 99.9% .9 of the time, you're going to be attracting the wrong type of men, the wrong type of attention. I was 14 and I was going out in that stuff. I remember vividly this one time, um some random and this was back in peru i was going to go visit my old school and i was wearing shorts and a crop top just like i would always and i was on my way there and then some guy stops me and he's like oh hi like how are you da, 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 da. um where are you going and i was like oh i'm just um on my way to visit some friends and he and he was like oh like can i be your friend And I was like, this is like odd. This is weird. <laughs> Why do you want to be my friend? I just met I was like, um, it was kind of awkward. And he he told he told me, he asked me, how old are you? And I'm, I was like, I'm 14. The guy was like 23. And he was asking to be my yeah. friend. And I was like, I was creeped out. And then he found me on Facebook. And it, Honestly, it was, like, the most creepy experiences for me have been when I was wearing, you know, more revealing clothes. And it's, it's scary. And that's why, I guess, a lot of parents and stuff, they, they advise girls not to dress that way because you're sexualizing yourself at mm. a very, very young age. And it's dangerous. Mm. That's crazy. This is what happens in the West. Yeah. And I've I've noticed this happens in like the Spanish households a lot. Like um you said Peru. Are you Peruvian? Yeah, I'm Peruvian. Okay, mashallah. See I'm Puerto Rican and um in Puerto Rican households it's pretty much the same thing. Where it's like there'll be some modesty in the beginning, but then like as a girl at least reaches like I'd say maturity. Like and maturity for women is like, let's be honest, it could be it could be even like eight years old for women nowadays. Mm -hmm. But some women, like, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And by that point, like, the parents just kind of like, oh, yeah, you, you can just kind of do what you want. It's sad. It really is. Yeah. And I've seen 
my uh, little nieces, they're do like doing TikToks and stuff, and um, they're wearing like these crop tops. They're seven years old, seven, and they're like in little like booty shorts and stuff. And I'm just like, yo, <laughs> what's going on? Like that's that's not okay. Like um, there was another instance I remember because I used to post a lot of inappropriate stuff when I was younger. Um, and I, I remember I would block my parents from seeing that. I would block my brother. I would block my immediate family from seeing it so that I could post in peace without any backlash. And I would get a lot of messages, but I remember a couple of messages coming to me from women themselves. And they were women who were trying to bring girls into prostitution. And they would tell me, oh, like you could... you could get so much money like if you just like do these like if you just go on a date with this guy and stuff like I could get you in there I started off when I was like 16 but you're 14 but like you know you could still start it's like a little bit of cash on the side I never did it because I was like I don't want to get you know um I don't want to get into some trouble with my mom especially that's that's the only reason why I didn't do it but these women were telling me oh like there's a little bit of cash on the side like you can come do it And I was in for it as long as, like, my mom wasn't going to catch me. And that's exactly why I didn't do it with my mom because I was scared of my mom. This reminds me, uh, we actually had a sister on here a long time ago who spoke about this. Y'all remember? Yes, it's in Milan. Yeah, subhanAllah, bro. Subhanallah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do want to talk about, you know, some of the stuff we were talking about before the stream, like uh, you wanted to talk about Andrew Tate's influence on you. But before that, we got an important question. It's been highly requested from what I can see in the live chat, but I'll just put one of the messages up. So Para, para or Para writes, what was the hardest thing to give up if that's not too personal to ask? The hardest thing to give up? When people ask me this, I honestly... I kind of say makeup and like beautifying myself. That was kind of the hardest part about everything. Um, and I'm still struggling with this today. So I don't, I don't want to fully say, you know, I have given that up because I know that I could, you know, still do better. Inshallah. Mm, inshallah. Um, otherwise, like everything else kind of just came naturally to me. Um <laughs> I didn't like pork at the beginning. Like, I've never liked pork ever in my life. Um, like, alcohol, never liked it either. You know, drugs, no, none of those. Like, I never liked those. Like, stuff was easy to give up. The only thing that I kind of um, had a little bit of trouble with, I guess, in the beginning was um, on time for prayer. I would feel like it's not... the best and I still feel like I could do better honestly mm -hmm. and um I'm planning to every single day I try you know memorize even more you know I try to um especially uh I've seen some <laughs> I've gotten more into you know uh arguing with liberals and stuff so I, I really want to memorize those lines and those hadiths especially just when they come in handy I'll pull out the hijab one So um, I think those that was probably yeah beautifying myself was probably the hardest to give up. See, speaking about liberal Muslims, I watched that Jubilee video, the one mm -hmm. that you reacted to on TikTok. That is crazy. 
there's the the women the woman that was actually covered up in hijab that would look more religious i guess to like just to the eye you know mm-hmm. she's out here saying oh you know alphabet gang you know i'm not going to say it to get uh off this thing it's it's permissible in islam it's not a sin i was like what what is she talking about yeah you know? I, and i was like that's crazy and that's the thing right um i didn't like it's not the grand majority of muslims that are like that mm. but i watched has i don't know if you guys know who hasan abi is um oh, he's a yeah. big twitch streamer yeah. I reacted to the, his reaction to that video with my friends, like just in private. And we were all just facepalming at everything that he said. And his chat was agreeing with him. Like they are all liberals. And he, I'm not sure if he's Muslim. He says that he's Muslim. But I was seeing some stuff that was insulting the Prophet, peace be upon him, insulting Islam, astaghfirullah. Mm-hmm. And he was just, like, chilling, watching the Jubilee video. And uh, I used to watch Hassan Abbey, actually, back when I was a liberal. And also, like, a little bit now just to, like, see what he was up to. I stopped watching him because he's a major headache. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Major headache. He's just, like, blabbing on about liberalism and how, you know, the Quran needs to be interpreted uh, once again just for nowadays or reinterpreted sorry and it's it's crazy i i honestly can't i can't watch them may allah guide him um, everyone's commenting you know top g time <laughs> and before we go into it i have, a, I have one last question yeah of um, course. how did your parents react so i haven't told my mom yet because i haven't been in peru because my mom is in peru my, my parents are divorced so my mom's living in peru with my brother right now um, my brother's supposed to come this year, inshallah, and then my dad's here, right? I live with my dad. He's upstairs, actually. <laughs> and um, my dad reacted in a calm manner. I have a video out there. Um, I didn't know if I was going to post it at first because uh, I wanted to see how his reaction was. But he reacted well since he has the he has the whole... Um, he was changing like sex and stuff in his in the beginning when he was in Canada. He knows what it feels like to be separated from his family because of his beliefs, because his mom and his family. Wait, you said changing sex like S E C T S. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I understood it the other way. I was up. like, wait. <laughs> I was like, what is, is, he, is no. he a woman now? Is he a chief? <laughs> I'm like, pause. He is not a trans. Okay, no, no. Okay, alhamdulillah. 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 No, but my dad has that experience with his family as well. And he didn't want to, he didn't want me to go through that. Because he wanted to be a Jehovah Witness, a witness at first. Obviously, he's not now. He's a deist. I could bring my dad on if you guys um, would want to talk to him as well, inshallah. Um, I've had him, you know, star in one of our, our Muzzyland podcasts in my server. Um, but he he has his faith is basically no faith, but he believes in God. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know what a deist is. He's yeah. kind of like one of those, and yeah. um, he doesn't believe in any of the books. He thinks that those are all man-made, and that um, the prophets were all real. But he just doesn't believe that there is a truth. 
Mm. Well, wait, hold up. How can you believe the prophets are all real when the way that the prophets were revealed to us were through these books? Yeah. At exactly. least now, that when we look at the books, this is how we know of the prophets. If there were no books, we would have never known of the prophets. Yeah, exactly. And I guess he he told me and he explained to me um, that he could, anyone could be a prophet. That's what he says. He's like, you could be a prophet. I'm just like, no, no, no. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't be a prophet. He's like, no, but you, you have to believe in yourself. Like the prophets were just like normal people. And I was like, no, it's, it's not like that, dad. But, you know, I have... I've had many, 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 many debates over dinner with him, over his beliefs. Mm. Um, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide him. Amen. Amen. But yeah, the rest of my family, they don't know, except for my brother. My brother was really calm about it. I just told him mm. over the phone, hey, I'm Muslim. And he was like, oh, cool, okay. Don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care. And then he knows about my TikTok, and he knows what I do and stuff. And yeah. he's chilling with it, yeah. The issue is going to be the rest of my family. Yeah. Okay. Allah make it easy for you. I mean, I mean. So one last super chat from Brother John writes, I recommend everyone read Beauty Sick, how the cultural obsession with appearance hurts girls and women. Barakalafikum will do. Okay, with that being said, what are your views on Abu Tate? Because a lot of Muslims they are in support of him because despite the past, despite what's been done before his conversion recently, um, he's still a Muslim today. And then you have other Muslims that are like, you know what? No, we, we can't forgive his sins. He did X, Y, Z, and we hate him. So where do you stand with that? Um, as a revert, I feel for him so much. And um, the fact that his previous statements, a lot of controversial ones, are still public is... I, I feel for him, you know? It's, it's kind of, like, sad, but the thing is that if you look into his controversial statements, a lot of them are A, to just gain attention and be funny. And then B, they have a lot of description afterwards or before. They take those clips and like, you know, they put them on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, like in those compilations that are talking trash about him. And then they don't explain why, you know, he said those things. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of Muslims were especially mad about the R-A-P-E one. And he said that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they should take a little bit of accountability. But, you know, if they if they research, even just like one Google search, just to see what his opinion was, you'll see that, okay, well, you know, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Um, so, but back when I was you know, first knowing about Tate when back when he wasn't Muslim and everything. I made, like, I think two videos hating on him. You? <laughs> yeah, I made two videos, like, trashing on his fan base. And This is before he was Muslim. Yeah, before he was Muslim. Okay, okay. And I made videos trashing on his fan base and on him. And then I learned that he was Muslim. And I was like, oh, shoot. I held my tongue a little bit because I was like, okay, I don't know if I fully believe this because I've seen the clips and whatever. But then I went to go do my own research and then I seen the clips myself in the context and I was like, whoa, these aren't as bad with the explanation, you know? Unless you're a whole entire feminist with your, you are a feminist with your heart and soul, you're not going to find those clips like too bad. So um, I'm in support of... Andrew Tate 
Now, subhanAllah, to continue to guide him. I mean, do you think that's why majority of Western women today hate Andrew Tate? I think so. And the fact that he's Muslim now is like, it's not shocking to them. I've talked to a few of them. They're just like, oh, yeah, of course he's, he's Muslim now. He's just a misogynist. Mm. They don't even know what the definition of misogyny is. Mm. <laughs> like, you, you ask these women simple questions and they won't know the answer to them. They don't, e- they don't even know why they hate him at first. Right? Mm. It's kind of mm. just hate because it's a bandwagon. Yeah. This kind of goes back to the point. I don't even think we made this point. I think in my head I'm making this point, but it goes back to the fact that like we just live in the age of ignorance. And mm-hmm. I forgot, was it a hadith or was it something where it said that there was going to come a time where there was going to be a lot of like people speaking, but that the actual people of knowledge was going to become less and less. Yeah, yeah. Rami, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, that, that is a hadith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we live in this time, like we can see it firsthand. Yeah, you know, like we have all these like influencers, people on YouTube, and look, I'll be the first one to point the finger at myself. Like I'm, I'm ignorant still. I'm still jahil. I'm still learning, and sometimes I say things where I'm like, oh damn, like I probably shouldn't have said this. I probably should have, you know, researched a, a bit more. And it's like I hold my tongue a lot from saying certain things because of this matter. But then there are others who are on the platforms and they don't hold their tongue and they speak more so based on um, the emotion and what they think something is, but reality and what we think aren't always aligned. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to kind of add another level of it because people just think that there's a, like kind of, there are waves in society and all that stuff, but it's a lot deeper than that. Like there are people who sit like the people at the Rand Corporation. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rand is an actual like organization that has an agenda and they're here to fix problems, political, social, and all that stuff. And they have one of their Rand reports that specifically talks about injecting what they call moderate Muslims, you know, liberal, left-leaning, secular, uh, loving, you know, um, democratic Muslims into the Muslim world and pushing these agendas and they have praised you know certain people who fight for secularism who claim to be muslim and all of this stuff so these are not just like waves and like oh you know these this group believes this there are people who are actually pushing very specific agendas so that we can abandon our faith and i wouldn't be surprised if you know people actually spoke about andrew tate like on a very high level and that's why he was banned and that there is this huge bandwagon to push him and Islam kind of under the bus as misogynistic or anti anti democracy, and therefore that's bad, and you know all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. something I want to add to that is a lot of guys over here they look up to Andrew because of his masculine agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys are the leaders of this ummah, right? You guys are the protectors. You guys are the providers. You guys are the future fathers. And to have weak men is to have a weak society. And to have a weak structure of a society. And I feel like the U.S. or the West is trying to feminize our men 
for the reason of control. And that's, that's like, I feel like that's the main part of it. Because we've had these red pill, red pill <laughs> guys mm. for the longest time. But once it came to Andrew and him having this giant platform and him pushing that agenda, they stopped him completely. Yeah. Which is concerning. Because mm. they're yeah. feeding us a bunch of pills and stuff to feminize the men and stuff for that control. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And, um, you know, like they, they will let people who have been convicted or at least widely claimed of horrendous crimes like, you know, Charles, James Charles and like these people um, and they still have platforms and they were basically caught doing these disgusting things and then eventually just swept under the rug. But when someone says a few words, it's like all of a sudden this is the biggest threat in society. This is the biggest threat that we suffer from. Um, no. Like that, that's completely and utterly uh, abhorrent to be completely honest. But again, I want to take it back to the people and the agenda. Uh, sister, I'm very glad you made that point because what happened the last time you had very strong, courageous Muslim men who practice Islam almost near, you know, near perfectly uh, get together in a society. They conquered Rome and they conquered Persia and they conquered basically everywhere up until China and they conquered basically they were the superpower of the world for a thousand years strong. Mm. And it was only when they injected these agents and they injected these liberal Muslims and they divided the Ummah that they ended up crushing them and then further divided them. That's why the Middle East is completely divided. Uh, actually, Salah al-Din, uh, he specifically said that when you know promiscuity is, is very prevalent in society, it will cause the men to be weak. It would weaken the people. And that would basically break apart that society. So you're absolutely right. They want to keep us, you know, weak, emasculated, low testosterone, high estrogen, but not just that. Not it doesn't stop there. They also want us to be focused on ourselves, and they also want us to be distracted with buying this and buying that, and watching this show and watching that movie and talking about how fun the World Cup is, and and they want to distract us with all these ludicrous, small, insignificant things. Because as long as I'm, I'm worried about me, I don't care about fixing society as a whole. So I'm very glad you mentioned that point because it's very important that we hit people on the head with this again and again until they wake up and understand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sister, I have one, uh, you know, comment for you that I want you to address. So someone wrote, Andrew Tate made money from exploiting women. How you support that if you support Nikab? Nikab. I don't know why they wrote Nikab, but whatever, bro. <laughs> Um, so from my knowledge of him doing the whole cam business or whatever and, um, exploiting women, he stopped that stuff and I'm guessing was for a reason. I don't know if he's talked about it yet and stuff. I'm not. He mentioned like, explicitly that he doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. I know that he doesn't do it anymore. And I know I, even as a person to have that kind of business, it brings you down. It brings your soul down. You see yourself like, you know, exploiting the, the women and their, it just burdens you, right? Because you have a mother, you know, he has a niece. He's going to have, uh, you know, children in the future, inshallah, if he wills. Um, so at some point, if you're a good person, you need to wake up. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to jump in on this point because I feel like the wording was a bit, um, 
a bit specific because yes, the word exploiting basically just means using for your own gain. And yes, in a case that word fits linguistically, but it also kind of has this underlying tone that he forced or coerced them to. But according to the way he described it, at least these women were willing to, they wanted to, they made money, they were happy doing it. And alhamdulillah, thank God he stopped it. And he's a Muslim now, so inshallah he'll so far, you know, he'll be far away from that. But why are you not going after people like, you know, the guy who created Only OnlyFans? That was a man. He's exploiting all these women to make money. Why are you not, you know, yelling at him? Why is he not banned? Why is OnlyFans not shut down? Um, but you have a problem with, you know, something like like what he did, which is wrong, absolutely. But I'm just pointing out a, a bit of hypocrisy. It's because he became Muslim. And people are having a hard time, like, coming to grips with the fact that someone who did these things became Muslim. But when we look back in time, like, some of the Sahaba did far worse things than this. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, some of the Sahaba killed actual Muslims. But they became Muslim themselves, and, and Allah forgave them. And Allah forgives everyone's sins when they become a Muslim, when they revert. It's a clean slate. So it's like, why are you trying to hold this over this guy's head when Allah has forgiven him for that? Wow. wow. You know, like, here we are judging him, but it's like, bro, like, we are not the ones that judge in the end. It's Allah. Exactly. That's such a beautiful point, subhanAllah, because Muhammad Ajab made a very, very interesting point once in, in light of all this. There are people who claim to be Muslim who are literally committing shirk. They are doing the worst of the worst sin. And Andrew Tate's getting getting this in there are people who are threatening to leave islam if he accepts islam and if it, and if he's accepting the community and and you're still talking about these things he did it's just it's it's crazy it's, it really shows that we've really lost our uh priorities unfortunately yeah subhanallah yeah. Yeah. Mm, there's a lot of people commenting uh let me just see if i can pull this up Want us to talk to your dad? Let's speak to the dad. Call the dad. Can I talk to the dad? Bring dad here. <laughs> yes, bring Baba. <laughs> well, listen. Maybe inshallah one day. I don't want it to be something sudden. Um, inshallah. The man's probably enjoying his, you know, Friday night. Uh, <laughs> inshallah, we can maybe in the future. Inshallah. Inshallah. They're, they're probably saying that because last week we had a, a YouTuber and then we had his mom as well, the Christian mom. Oh yeah, that's kind of like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that video. Harris writes, Flavia, it's not easy, but like my question for you is what is the best thing about being a Muslim for a Latina? The best thing being a Muslim for a Latina honestly is getting out of that whole sexual culture because Latinos are very, very, very sexual, at least nowadays. Like, um, and I guess that's why a lot of guys are into, like, the whole Latina thing. Like, oh, spicy Latina, like, whatever. This is so, so cringe to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you step into that society and it's very, like, a sticky, sticky feeling. You feel like you're stepping into Shaitan's world and it's, yeah. like, degenerate. It's degenerate and it's disgusting. So I feel mm. like that's the best. That's the best thing. I feel like there's a lot of immense pressure too on a lot of women today to fall into that like groupthink mentality where it's like if if you deep down feel like you don't promote S work or anything like that, but you can't say it, you know, you got to mm-hmm. say, yes, babe, go get the bag, you know, support it, queen. 
because if you if you generally speak your mind, it's like you're gonna be shamed by other women. You know, yeah. back then, if you are immoral as a woman, you'd be shamed by the other women folk in your community. But today, if you are kind of against the grain of degeneracy, you're gonna be shamed equally today. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the whole sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, you no, know, hitting the point of what you said with the uh, the Latin culture, it's very high, like hypersexualized. Like, look at the Latin dances, look at the Latin music. Mm-hmm. It's all sexualized, and like, it's not just for women, but it's also for men. Like, as a man, if you listen to this music, it programs you to literally want to sleep with this man's wife or this man's woman. Mm-hmm. It it programs you to want to have all these different women. And so yeah. like, we can get into the whole topic of like men and hypergamous and, and all that. No, not hypergamous, my bad. Polygynous. They, they want to have multiple women. We can get into that, but no, I'm not trying. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying like the programming that's going on within the Latin culture. So for mm. any Latino or Latina, like for them to get out of that and then come into Islam, like that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. SubhanAllah. Marwan writes, Salam sister, what's your go to Majid in Ottawa? I'd be careful before answering that though, because <laughs> you don't want to give your location away. People are weird. Um, so I if I were you, I wouldn't even answer that. And which one did you do Shahada in, if you don't mind saying? Um, so I did my Shahada in the Ottawa mosque. Um, the the main main one. Honestly, that's my go to one, uh, when I had do have the time. You guys but... have a main mosque? Yeah, we do. That's how you, that's how you know Ottawa's small. <laughs> Ottawa is very, very boring uh, in comparison to Toronto and the GTA and stuff. But, you know, it's um, uh, we do have a main mosque. And that's why I took my chat and everything. Um, I guess that's where most main activities are. So, yeah, I'm pretty basic. I just go there a lot of the time. Um, I haven't been there in a while, though, because I do have one closer to me. Uh, but I do like the environment of the Ottawa Masjid better because it's more diverse and stuff. Mm. Brother Ali, Maliki Click, he writes, being married to a Latina is like being married to four women. Think before you talk to dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. We'll pray a sakara before we bring the dad on. Inshallah. <laughs> and the last one, share Arabic writes, what is your opinion on the guy, Brother Muhammad, on TikTok? I don't know who he's talking about. He is the one who says it is okay to ask the dead for help. Rami, what do you think about that? Um, I, I, I've gotten this question a few times. Listen, may Allah bless the brother. I don't think we should talk about people on live, um, especially after it's been so outdone on TikTok and for so long. Just mm. put it to rest. What about the general principle of asking the dead for help? Forget Brother Muhammad. Um, no, you can't do that. Mm. You cannot. As far as I know, completely, completely haram. You cannot make dua or call on anyone except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... Um, the only one who will be allowed to intercede in any way is whoever Allah SWT gives permission to on the day of judgment. Uh, and that will be the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay, okay. Sounds good. Um, do you have any other things that you wanted to ask us or discuss that we were messaging before? Because I think we got through most of the things on the list for this one. Um, I have a question to ask you guys, if that's okay. Go for it. Because I want to ask some guys this um if you i don't know if you guys have answered this before um but if you were to marry a hijabi right or like a naqabi or whatever and then they decided to take off their hijab 
you know, fully, um, what would be your reaction? Would you divorce? Would you stay with them? Damn, um, that's the process. Uh, that's who wants to go first. Uh, I'll I'll go first, inshallah. Uh, firstly, may Allah. Uh, you know, say your words. Say say your words wisely, bro. Sorry, what? Say your words wisely. <laughs> he said, pick your words wisely. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. I will do billahi min shaitan rajeem. First and foremost, may Allah subhanahu wa taala protect us, um, the men and the women, um, you know, from being in such situations and being tested in such ways. I mean. <laughs> Um, I would first and foremost, um, whenever someone asks for advice, the best advice is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave to us. And Allah actually tells us in uh, Surah Nisa, I believe Surah Nisa, when your wife is basically misbehaving or not behaving appropriately or doing things that you, you know, gravely disliked, as someone who is supposed to keep her on the right path and keep her guided, Allah says, first and foremost, advise her kindly, sit her down, get her nice gifts, get her nice food. Have nice, you know, um, have a nice, intimate, proper discussion with her about, you know, her taking off the hijab, why she did it, what's keeping her from wearing the hijab, and all that stuff, and be sincere and kind with her. That's what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us to do when He says, "Speak, you know, advise her kindly." And then, if she persists and it gets to, you know, another level, or she just does not, you know, listen and she keeps persisting in this, He says, "Leave the bed," which some scholars say also includes just not talking to her. And there was a time in the life of the Prophet where kind of all of his wives were giving him somewhat of a hard time. So he, he stayed away from all of them for like three, four weeks. Um, he slept outside of all the homes. May Allah have, uh, you know, send his peace and blessings upon him. Mm-hmm. And then after, if it comes to it, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says darb. Now, darb has different interpretations. The one that, and we've talked about it extensively. One, <laughs> take them to walk out. <laughs> yeah, one is that you take something small that's light and you kind of, you know, uh, lightly hit her, hurt her with it. Um, another one is that you is actually means talak, like you're doing talak, you're divorcing her, or sim, sing, you know, signaling to her that you're about to. Um, mm-hmm. And as for what I would specifically do, I think I would follow that ex- those exact steps. Um, and if it got to a point where it's like khalas, this isn't going to work anymore, then I I would you know eventually leave for that. But uh, alhamdulillah, I have not been tested with that. May Allah. Alhamdulillah. Mm, yo, someone wrote, I'll beat her down with the miswalk first off. First of all, that's not even Islamic. Yeah, you're, you're, you're missing. Uh, well, firstly, you're missing two steps. And secondly, there's no such thing as beating down uh, in Islam. Uh, that's completely haram. And I would hope that her family would come in and kick your butt if you did that. Yeah, I would. I would also advise to not joke around about things just to get yeah. a, like a, a response or laughs or something like that it's not worth it it's not worth mm-hmm. it yeah may Allah forgive us especially yeah. when these verses are directly in the Quran yeah, the yeah. speech of Allah so yeah, yeah. I have nothing I'll to say man. like Rami said it perfectly and so um, what if um, what if you can't let's say it was your daughter instead in the situation what do you guys like a rebellious daughter right what would you guys do? Damn. I think I would um, just advise her kindly, to be honest. A daughter or a son is, is a little bit different, obviously, um, because now you, you don't just have you know the guardian role. You also have the parental role. And I think a big part of that is just setting them up um, to basically be very strong in their faith. So if one day um, you know, a child goes down that path, you shouldn't necessarily think what you know what what is the one thing that caused this. Mm-hmm. You should ask yourself if you actually really set them up, you know, properly with the religion to begin with. 
And then you would have to start instilling those as a foundation. You know, why do, why do women even wear the hijab? Why? It's just the same reason. Why do men, you know, and women pray? Why do we fast? You know, why do we abstain from haram? It's because the one who created us and knows everything told us to do so. And he is the most wise. He is the most knowledgeable. And if we do it, we will be, we will be rewarded. And if we don't, we will be punished. And once they understand why they're doing something, it makes doing it so much better. That's why you have Muslims that become, you know, um, shuhada uh, they become martyrs you know it's not easy to be a martyr but for muslims it's, it's it's a little easier than a lot of other people because they understand why they're doing it so same thing with wearing hijab i would just sit talk to her advise her and i would know that it's not going to be something that's like oh okay she listened after one conversation it will take time but a lot of the time daughters what they need is, is a solid good kind-hearted a role um sorry a male role model in their life and sometimes mm-hmm. acting out like that is just kind of a call for, you know, attention from, you know, uh, the, the masculine figure in their life. So you just got to be a good dad. Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. Bro, someone addressed what you said before. Some crackhead, right? I'm not, to anyone that's listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, I'm not calling this person some crackhead. Their, their username literally says that. But don't think it says anywhere that you can't make a dua via someone dead. Oh, my God. Well... Listen, long story short, if you call on anyone or anything other than Allah, you have committed shirk, you are a kafir. There's unanimous agreement upon every single scholar, whether you call on an idol or or on an ice cap or on a dead person, you are committing a sin. So that's a general ruling that's applied to everything. And you would need to provide why dead uh, people are the exception to that rule. Um, but don't mm-hmm. be misguided. Allah SWT and the Messenger made it very clear. The scholars are unanimous uh, on this decision. Mm, inshallah. Yeah. Brother Abdullah writes, Fired, which camera is that quality at 10,000 or 100,000? I don't know. I can't see. My, my contacts are bugging. 10, um, so these are the same cameras that we use for our in-person uh, podcast that you guys might have seen. Is the Sony, I think, A6000. But then we got like the little better lenses, inshallah. So that's what we use. Para writes, what if she took her hijab off because she's being abused for wearing it in her area that is white, et cetera, et cetera? I would go out with her. I would go out with her and I'd, I'd come ready and I'd come prepared and I'd bring her brothers and her uncles as well. And then we'd see if they still want to touch her. <laughs> Man, I actually don't think we should say much on this. I think we should, if you're looking for answers on this, you should find people who are in these situations themselves, people of knowledge, and they've actually gone through it. Because anything we say is just going to be theoretical since yeah. we haven't actually been through it mm-hmm. ourselves. It's very theoretical. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have one one more question for you yeah. guys. Um, when it comes to, you know, reverts, do you guys, are you guys like a little bit scared of uh, like marrying them and stuff? Are you, do you guys have any worries? Or is it just, you know, all good? Wait, sorry, what's the question? So is there like anything that kind of scares you if you're marrying a revert? Um, That's a good question. Uh, Generally, no, unless the person themselves, you know, shows that I I should be worried about something. You know, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be worried just because they're a revert because if they've been a revert for five years, okay, so it's not a problem. That's a good thing. Allahumma barik. But if they've been a revert for three months, then, you know, you just got to look at them. You got to see what state they're at. Mm-hmm. yeah true. actually i wouldn't be scared at all 
And the reason I say this is because before you make such a big decision like marriage, you praise the Qatar. Mm-hmm. And when Allah gives you that guidance, like, how can you be scared or worried about anything? You know, so, like, if, if Allah gives me guidance, or I can't even speak for myself, but if Allah gives someone else guidance to marry a sister, and she's, like, what, like, a month reverted, two months? Like, if Allah gave the green light, why would you feel any type of way? Why would you have any type of, and I get it, was was will come in try to like mess with it but like if the green light is there if you have the guidance of Allah you can't go wrong mm, personally speaking if a girl has reverted to Islam before meeting me you know we had some guests on the channel that said they met a woman who was let's say Christian or she wasn't a Muslim yet and then he started giving her dawah and then she became Muslim and then they got married for me I would all of the variables being the same obviously not taking what Anhel said into consideration I'd feel a little bit more secure in my decision had she been a Muslim before I met her. That way I know there's no influence of me and there's nothing that's going to be in the back of my mind like she accepted Islam just because of me. I'll know like she's a Muslim because that's what she wants to do or a Muslim because that's what her real belief is regardless of who she wants to marry or anything like that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, because... Um... I've heard some men are kind of afraid to uh, get married to a revert, especially in the beginning, um, because they don't know if they're going to go back to Christianity or they're going to go back to whatever religion they were before. Um, that's that's what I've heard. Um, not from mm. most men. I've heard it from a couple, a select few. Mm. But yeah, that's that's why I wanted to ask you guys this question. Yeah, look, sister, I think you're doing amazing I think if you just continue down this path, you keep getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like Allah's gonna put the right person in your life. You know, you don't even have to think about this. You just have to get closer to Allah and just ask Allah. Ask Allah for everything and Allah will provide you with everything. Inshallah. Inshallah. So don't don't be worrying if this guy is gonna be thinking like, Oh, she's a reaper sister and, and don't don't think about that. So just Focus on Allah, focus on yourself, and Allah will provide everything for you. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been trying to do. I'm not even looking for anything like that because I still have to sort stuff out with my mom and my family mm. first. I mm. think that's the mm. that's the main thing that I need to do, and then if whatever comes to me, I'll you know, I'll see. Yeah, man, I'm not mm. making it easy. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. All right, boys, Shabab, do you have anything else you want to say? That's it, man. I'm I'm trying to end. I'm trying to eat these dates. I oh, we got la- one last one from Neil Castro. At T3M, I'm a Latino reaver, and I'm seeking a reaver sister who knows how to carry her religion properly. Mela grant you that. I mean. I mean. I mean. All right. Sister, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Um. No, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Alhamdulillah. I actually do have one last announcement. It's a very important one. One of the most important ones on this whole stream. Our brothers at IslamNet in Norway are creating a Masjid and Dawah Center, as Brother Muhammad Hijab mentioned in the ad at the beginning of the stream. Imagine you can contribute to a place where people accept Islam, learn about Islam, learn how to give Dawah, go out and give Dawah, and those people accept Islam as well. You know, the rewards could be endless. So to support the Norwegian Dawah, click the link in the description and help the brothers build the masjid and renovate the masjid to expand it for the sake of Allah. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said in a hadith, he informed us 
that giving in charity does not decrease or deplenish your wealth and all good is from Allah, alhamdulillah. So go and donate uh, to our brothers there, inshallah. Inshallah. I think that was perfect, bro. And guys, let us know in the comments if you want part two stream with Sister Flavia, inshallah, with her dad. We'll see, inshallah, if it's meant to be. Inshallah. All right, Rami, do your thing, bro. And with that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fid akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.